the hands of the goddess. We are held, we are held, we are held. We are loved in the heart of the goddess. We are loved, we are loved, we are loved. What in your life needs to heal? Is it something in your body? Is it in your thoughts or your feelings? Welcome to the Empowered Healer Show with your host, Dr. Susan Allison. Our program will present healing methods and ideas to help you change the challenging parts of your life and support the people who mean the most to you. Now, here is Dr. Susan Allison. Hello and welcome to the Empowered Healer Show. I'm Dr. Susan Allison, and you are the Empowered Healer, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You are the Empowered Healer of your own life. I hope the holidays went fantastically for you, and that you remembered that the greatest gift is perfect health and wholeness. Speaking of health and wholeness, our guest today is an expert. Dr. Hank Wesselman is a cutting-edge scientist, shamanic practitioner, teacher and light bringer who's been serving our planet and its people for most of his life. Dr. Wesselman has advanced degrees in zoology and anthropology, has worked in East Africa discovering the origins of our species, has studied with and lived with indigenous peoples and become fascinated with their shamanic beliefs and practices. He is a successful author, having written an autobiographical trilogy as well as award-winning non-fiction books about various aspects of shamanism and healing. Today, Hank will discuss why people become ill from a shamanistic perspective and how this view differs from the Western medical paradigm. He'll also present how to heal ourselves at a soul level. Finally, I hope there's time for Hank to talk about his relationship with Hale Makua, wise Hawaiian elder and Hank's dear friend which is chronicled in his incredible book, his latest book, The Bowl of Light. Let's welcome Dr. Hank Wesselman. Hi, Hank. Well, hi, Sue. How you doing? I'm great. So happy to have you on the show and connect with you again. Yeah. You know, I can just see you, you know, so <laughs> sitting there in your place in the circle. So I'm, I'm very pleased oh. to, to uh, be in connection with you once again. I am, too. Um, I should mention that um, I've studied with Hank and with his incredible wife, Jill, and uh, at Esalen Institute, where they offer a series of courses um, on uh, shamanic uh, practice. So, Hank, I'd like to start, actually, from that place, which is uh, some of your earlier works, Spirit Medicine and the Journey of to the Sacred Garden, which I have read and reread many times. Um, so my question is, for people who are tuning in who don't know, what is a shaman? What is his or her role in the indigenous community? And... What is the place of, of shamanic practice now in the 21st century? Well, you know, in the Western world, when we hear the word shaman, most of us conjure up an image of a masked and costumed tribal person dancing around mm -hmm. a fire in the dark, involved in mm -hmm. some mysterious ritual and accompanied by drum beats. And that's, mm -hmm. that's not an inaccurate description. Mm -hmm. But in reality, the mask, the costume, and the ritual, that's just cultural stuff. That's kind of like the shell inside of which there's an individual who has a very real set of skills. Hmm. All true shamans are able to achieve expanded states of awareness, expanded states of consciousness, 
in which they can perceive the world of things hidden. Now, in mm. saying that to you, as you know, you know, traditional people perceive the world as being made up in two halves, the world of things which is seen and the world of things which is hidden, and they mm -hmm. make no distinction between them. They regard them as being two halves of an entirety, and they present themselves together mixed into one common reality. But most of us do not have the ability to see into the realm of things hidden. I'm mm -hmm. talking about the subtle worlds. Yes. The subtle worlds which interpenetrate the incarnational worlds in which we're all living our lives, having careers and family and friends on a regular basis and so forth and so on. The shaman is an individual who has the ability to perceive these inner worlds. And so the shaman is really a gifted visionary. It's, a, it's an ability that they train for. It's, it's a, an ability that gets easier with training. And mm. so in a traditional society... People might train with an honored grandparent who has the ability, that sort of thing. In our society, increasing numbers of non-tribal Western people are approaching me at my workshops at places like Esalen and Brightonbush in Oregon in mm -hmm. order to acquire this ability, to fine-tune this ability. It's like sharpening the sword. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. Mm -hmm. And I believe it's one of our birthrights. This mm -hmm. ability to expand our conscious awareness so we can perceive differently than our everyday waking state. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I might add here that there's a lot yeah. of confusion in the world between the kind of work that medicine people do and the kind of work that shamans do. Mm -hmm. And this confusion exists, I think, because all shamans are medicine people, but not all medicine people are shamans. In fact, in my opinion, most of the medicine people I've connected with in my lifetime, and this includes Western doctors, they're not shamans. Mm. You know, they tend to be ceremonial or ritual specialists, or in the case of Western medicine, they're very highly trained uh, healers. Mm. Uh, yeah. But they do their main work here in this world. Mm -hmm. Whereas the shaman does their main work there in the world of things hidden, in the world of the shadows. And in approaching the issue of illness, the shaman is a master at working with the spiritual aspects of illness. And this is part of the given in the shaman's world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which perfectly segues into my next question, which is why do people become ill from a shamanistic perspective? And how does this differ from our Western medical view? Uh, you were just about to touch on it. Yeah. Well, you know, I might put in here, that all shamans understand that when you're dealing with something serious, and if we're dealing with a case of something like cancer or lupus or multiple sclerosis, I mean, you're dealing with something serious. When you're dealing with something serious, you use everything at your disposal in mm -hmm. facing this problem. And that includes the most up-to-date methods of Western medicine as well as the most up-to-date methods of spirit medicine. The shaman is the one who knows a great deal about Western physical medicine in our time. Mm. And there are many uh, MDs who are actually highly trained shamanic practitioners. Mm. Um, so in dealing with illness, use everything at your disposal. But the goals of Western medicine and the goals of spirit medicine are somewhat different. All right, the goal of of Western medicine is the avoidance of death and the prolongation mm -hmm. of life. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
You know, I make a point of saying that because I regularly hear people say things like, oh, I'm not going to have anything more to do with, with Western medicine. You know, I'm mm. done. From now on, it's, it's Ayurvedic or naturopathic or holistic or homeopathic. Oh, that's great, mm. you know, but if you're in a car accident and you've got a ruptured spleen and you're bleeding yep. internally, yep. that's not the time to go to your acupuncturist. No, you know? you're right. That's the time to find yourself alone in a room with a world-class surgeon and a world-class anesthesiologist. That's the time for Western medicine. And all shamans understand this. Mm -hmm. The goal of the shamanic tradition is to nurture and preserve the soul. When Mm. your soul is in good shape, you're usually in good shape. But if your soul is in shreds or is distorted in some way, this can manifest into the physical body as illness. And all shamans recognize this. So, in talking about the classic causes of illness from the shamanic perspective, we could talk about the big three. The first of these is the state called disharmony. This is a state that we move into in response to some kind of traumatic loss experience as a rule. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know in my uh, own family, I remember when my grandfather died back in 1953 or so, you know, I'm in my 70th year, so I have a long memory now. Um, when my grandfather died in 1953, he passed over peacefully in the middle of the night in October, and by March, my grandmother, his 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 wife, had manifested cancer. Mm. Now, cancer, the, it, one of the classic causes of cancer is disharmony. When a person is in a, an acute state of worry, anxiety, disharmony, the disharmony in one's soul can manifest itself as disharmony in the body, which is essentially what cancer is. Yes. It's cell division, which is run amok, you know. Mm. Most people will remember their high school biology and remember mitosis and meiosis, all right? Meiosis is about the creation of sex cells, and mitosis is about cell division. Yes. Well, when cell division exceeds its normal rate, we develop these cancers like adenocarcinomas, which are glandular cancers, or leukemia, which is a blood mm-hmm. cancer, you know, things like that. Yes. So disharmony is a, is a state that we move into often in response to a loss experience. And what disharmony does is it disempowers us. Yes, and then illness uh, comes in more re- readily. Yeah. yeah. When yes. our personal power goes down, we're vulnerable to illness big time. And mm-hmm. it's usually at this time of year around... Christmas, you know, that people come down with those dreadful colds and flus because, you know, Christmas, despite all of its blessings and splendor and glory and presents and Christmas trees and grog and stuff, you know, Christmas is a very stressful time for many people. Mm -hmm, It is. And so this is often the time when you see a sudden spike and the epidemiologists are all on top of it because they realize what's going on. You know, so yep. disharmony is one of these classic causes of cancer, you know, losing your job. It'll be interesting in an, sort of a, an academic sense uh, to see what happens in the United States as a result of the last several years where the middle class is disappearing, people are losing their homes, they're losing their jobs. I mean, people are in a dreadful state. And the disharmony which has been generated by, <laughs> if I could put it this way, you know, the one percenters, you know, transferring the wealth of the 99 percenters to themselves, you know, this is going to create some kind of spike, which should be uh, measurable, I would think, on the yes. scale. So disharmony is one of those 
events that we move into which disempowers us. And when your personal power goes down, you're vulnerable to illness big time. And all shows mm-hmm. know that. Now, the, classic, the second classic cause of illness is fear. Mm-hmm. Fear is not good for you. Fear yeah. is one of those, uh, those states that create disharmony within us. Yes. We're going to you know, need to take a break, Hank, but I want okay. people to hold on to um, what you're talking about in terms of the causes of illness from a shamanic perspective. We'll be right back. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Dr. Susan Allison is available online, by phone, and in person to help you heal whatever is no longer working in your life. You can go to her website at www.empoweredhealer.com or call her toll-free at 866-268-2121. Dr. Allison also has CDs and DVDs available on her website to empower you even more. You can listen to her voice guide you through meditations, visualizations, and exercises from her book, Empowered Healer. Her powerful book is available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Balboa Press, and from local bookstores. Begin today to gain the confidence, power, and ability to heal yourself. Visit EmpoweredHealer.com or call 866-268-2121. Are you experiencing imbalance and disharmony in your life? Do you feel like you're laboring under the burden of emotional trauma, failing relationships, or unresolved grief? Learn ways to turn your life around. Set yourself on the path of transformation with host Anjali Chug. Our topics of discussion will show you the way to feel happy and liberated. Start by tuning in every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, for Path of Transformation on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. 7th Wave Network. are tuned in to the Empowered Healer Show with Dr. Susan Allison. If you wish to speak to Dr. Allison or her guests this week, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or you can send an email to the Empowered Healer at Comcast.net. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, we're talking with Dr. Hank Wesselman, who is uh, in the middle of talking about the three causes of illness uh, from a shamanistic perspective. So hi again, Hank. Greetings, greetings. Greetings. Yes, we talked about disharmony. Yes. And we were just sort of running down the list and <clears throat> taking a look at fear. Because yes. people who are in a chronic state of worry, <clears throat> anxiety, uh, concern, 
people who are in a state of fear. Fear is not good for you because it diminishes the ability of your immune system to function. Mm. Once your sense of being well in the world, your sense of well-being is affected <clears throat> negatively by fear. You know, your immune system takes the hit, and when your immune system goes down, you're vulnerable to illness big time. Mm -hmm. So it's no great, you know, uh, revelation to anybody that fear and disharmony are kind of like drinking buddies. You know, fear Mm -hmm. creates disharmony, disharmony creates fear. Yes. But it's the third classic cause of illness which is the most dangerous. Mm -hmm. In the indigenous world, the third classic cause of illness is what we would call soul loss. Hmm. And as this word, this term implies, soul loss uh, refers to damage to our inner supernatural essence of who and what we are, in the sense that parts of the self, parts of the soul may actually dissociate and leave in response to trauma. If the trauma are strong enough or severe enough, you know, the soul Mm -hmm. will take a major hit and it's very sensitive. You know, it's a very sensitive, energetic body, Mm -hmm. which will depart. You know, parts of it will simply dissociate and leave. You know, classic uh, causes of soul loss might begin right when you're born, when a child comes into the world, and the first thing they learn is that they're not wanted, or they're Mm -hmm. the wrong sex, uh, and the whole family just withdraws emotionally. Children, newborns, can't cognitively understand that but they can perceive it at the emotional level. There's, you cannot hide anything from these little peanut-shaped people when they appear in the world. You know, yes. They feel everything mm-hmm. just the way it is, mm-hmm. and this can cause a real crisis for them. But, you know, a, a child who is being <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> picked on in school or bullied or neglected at home or tyrannized by an older sibling uh, a person who is assaulted or raped. You know, these are classic symptoms of of a soul loss experience, which mm. we hear over and over and over as we talk to people in our path through life. You know, when the trauma is severe enough, uh, parts of the soul just dissociate. They splinter. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like uh, you end up with a soul looking like Swiss cheese with, or a piece of pizza, a, a pizza with big slices taken out of it. Mm. I used to talk about the cosmic pizza story with my students when I was teaching academically. When we would talk about soul loss, there would be total silence in the room because suddenly they understood what was wrong with their mother or their father or their grandmother or what was wrong with them or their boyfriend, Mm. this sort of thing. Yes. You know, soul loss can happen in response to a serious accident like a car accident or a serious surgery like an open uh, chest uh, heart surgery. It can happen in response to a serious betrayal or an acrimonious divorce. Mm -hmm. It can happen in response to combat. PTSD, which is now a new term that everyone knows, PTSD, all those people coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan and and, um, Operation Desert Storm in Vietnam, who came back as the walking wounded with PTSD, PTSD is so lost. Mm-hmm. These I agree. souls mm-hmm. have been damaged by the yeah. hell on earth that war is. Despite all the John Wayne films that glorify war and the military, the fact that this is a terribly traumatic experience at the level of the soul. Mm. And soul loss is often the result. Yes. No, I've seen it in my practice as well. 
And, um, you know, Hank, if, if people are experiencing soul loss or fear or disharmony, how do they heal? You know, do you have something for listeners about how they can become well um, from a shamanistic view? Well, I think the first thing that we really have to do is understand very, very clearly exactly what the problem is. I mean, that's the first mm-hmm. point, way of dealing with it. Yes. You, know, you can't just stash this under the bed and think it's going to go away. It's not. You know, we've got it. It's, it's with us all the time, like an invisible companion. The reason soul loss is so dangerous is that this is those open places within the soul matrix itself can be invitations for intrusive negative elements to enter and take up residence within it. Mm-hmm. These can be viruses, they can be bacteria, or they could be negative thought forms or negative emotions. Sometimes we generate them ourselves. You know, the feelings of not feeling worthy, of not being lovable, of not being good enough. Uh, or they can be projected upon us by other people, by jealous co-workers, for example, mm-hmm. or jealous siblings, or neighbors who just don't like us, or hostile in-laws, this sort of thing. And as we acquire these negative thought forms, they're kind of like electrons circling around us. Uh, and they draw from our life force. They diminish us at the level of our life force. And when you turn your attention to a trauma that happened in the past, you're actually feeding it because energy flows where your attention goes. Mm-hmm. So often, you know, talk therapy is very useful in the beginning. But, you know, inevitably in doing shamanistic healing, uh, the, the shaman works in stages as a role, as you know, because you're a yes. shamanic healer. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. The first the first stage of healing, no matter what healing you're doing, is to empower your client. Now, you know, I don't know how many of us go to our primary care physician down at Kaiser, Jill and I have Kaiser, <laughs> and get an empowerment. You know, I mean, this is not in the, in the realm of the Western medical <laughs> tradition. But the fact is that the first thing that the shaman will do is jack up the person's personal power. This is because spirit medicine will not work if the individual is in a disempowered state. So the first thing that one has to do is empower the client. And one of the easiest ways to do this is to bring the client into relationship with a transpersonal force or power, which many people call power animals or helping spirits. In other words, a relationship within the spiritual dimensions, within the world of things hidden, in mm-hmm. which this transpersonal being, however you want to perceive it, if you want to perceive it as an angel or as God or as Jesus, you know, that's fine. It doesn't matter how you perceive it or who it particularly is. What matters is that you have this relationship which you can draw on to empower yourself when you mm-hmm. feel down or when you feel your energy is slipping down. This is the yes. very first stage of, of shamanic uh, healing. Mm-hmm. The second stage is to correctly diagnose the problem. And both shamans and Western medical uh, people are masters of diagnosis, but they do it differently. The Western medical specialist is a, is a master of diagnosis because they know so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shaman, the first thing the shaman will do is they will turn to their own helping spirits and ask for information about the nature of the person's problem. This is called divination work. And all of us who do this, 
attest to the fact that we often receive information that's startling and can be life-changing for the person involved. Another way to do diagnosis work is to work in tandem with one of these transpersonal forces called helping spirits and actually journey, take this shamanic journey experiences, which is a form of meditation, really, in which you project your conscious awareness into the person's body, with their permission, of course. You have to really tell people what you're doing and what it's all about so that they're going to allow you to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who's been terribly traumatized is not about to allow somebody that they don't know and trust inside their boundaries. So it's about projecting one's conscious awareness into the, into the energetic system of the individual and finding these intrusive elements that are causing problems. And these are usually perceived in some sort of symbolic way. Mm. So the shaman's job from there on is very clear. The third stage of healing is for the shaman working in tandem with their helping spirits to extract the illness-causing intrusion, in other words, to neutralize it, and then to present its reoccurrence. The fourth stage of healing involves restoring the fabric of the individual soul. This is a phenomenon called soul retrieval, which I'm sure you're going to talk to my lady Jill about next week. That's right. She's our guest next week. Yeah, that's her, that's her primary work, and she's very, very good at it. Mm-hmm. I think you've called her, in fact, a soul catcher. A soul catcher, yeah, I do. Yeah, <laughs> she does. That's, that's what the Native American people of the Pacific Northwest call people who do soul retrieval. They call them soul catchers. Mm-hmm. I like soul it. Soul catchers are regarded very highly in the indigenous world because it's a very specialized kind of work, and not all shamans are good at it. Mm-hmm. But those who are are kind of like national treasures. Mm. Jill actually started out doing soul-catching work in the Western medical system in Sacramento, where she was working in acute care rehab for many years. And um, she began to have these experiences, and she didn't know what was going on. And I overheard her talking to one of her colleagues on the phone one day. And after she got off the phone, I said, I think I know what you're doing. You're actually doing a kind of transpersonal healing work called soul, soul retrieval. Mm. And, of course, the rest is history. Wow. Uh, Jill has, has now done uh, somewhere between four and 5,000 soul retrievals. Fantastic. And she works at a distance with people as well, which is it's, it's extraordinary. I mean, you don't have to be in the same room with somebody to work transpersonally with them. As, that's something that you know how to do as well. That's right. That's right. And it's, you know, an energy medicine as well uh, can be sent to people uh, long distance. And I think this is um, something that's uh, unfolding and going to be more um, present in the future. Well, you know, there's a lot of interest from the Defense Department about trying to find out how to help all of these these wounded soldiers with post-traumatic stress syndrome. Uh, the need mm. is so huge, and the the pool of people who know how to do this work is so small. Yes. But I, I do have hopes that, you know, the little book that Jill and I wrote together called Spirit Medicine, Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be of service to them because it really lays all this out in a short-form way. I think that's great. Yeah, you can read this book in a couple of hours, and you've got it. Mm-hmm. No, it's a wonderful book, Spirit Medicine, and people can get it just about anywhere, can't they, Hank, on Amazon? and Amazon, well, you know, I have to confess that although I try to support my local bookstores, I, I buy virtually all my books on Amazon because Me too. these huge discounts. Me too. 
And if you're going to buy five or six books at a time, you know, this can this can add up. So those Yes, it can. They're very useful. Yes. And so it's time to go to break. We'll be right back with Dr. Hank Wesselman. Uh, keep tuning in. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. Goodbye, self-critical. Hello, self-thrilled. Can you define your talent in six words or less? Are you using your inner resource, intuition, to teach you how? Listening to Joyce Anderson of Conversations with Yourself will work your intuitive muscle to discover your divine talent. Each week, your host, Joyce Anderson, teaches practices to jumpstart your intuition as your GPS to becoming self-thrilled. From sports to business to music and food, talent is everywhere. Find yours. Joyce and her guests will share their how-to stories on being self-thrilled. Tune in to Conversations with Yourself, Thursday mornings at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Channel and ignite your talent. Dr. Susan Allison is available online, by phone, and in person to help you heal whatever is no longer working in your life. You can go to her website at www.empoweredhealer.com or call her toll-free at 866-268-2121. Dr. Allison also has CDs and DVDs available on her website to empower you even more. You can listen to her voice guide you through meditations, visualizations, and exercises from her book, Empowered Healer. Her powerful book is available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Balboa Press, and from local bookstores. Begin today to gain the confidence, power, and ability to heal yourself. Visit EmpoweredHealer.com or call 866-268-2121. Be Extraordinary. 7th Wave Network. are tuned in to the Empowered Healer Show with Dr. Susan Allison. If you wish to speak to Dr. Allison or her guests this week, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or you can send an email to the Empowered Healer at Comcast.net. Now, back to the program. Hello and welcome back, everyone. If you are just tuning in, we are talking with Dr. Hank Wesselman. And Hank, before we continue, can you tell um, the listeners how to contact you? Well, you know, websites are everything these days. <laughs> and our website is sharedwisdom.com. Shared Wisdom, one word, S-H-A-R-E-D-W-I-S-D-O-M.com. And people can find about, out about my books uh, including the book I wrote with Jill called Spirit Medicine. And they can find out about events that are coming up, like I'll be teaching in Maui in February. I'll be teaching in northern Oregon in middle March. I'll be at the Esalen Institute in the beginning of May and again in June for a, a level one uh, vision seeker training. You know, stuff like that. People Wonderful. are interested uh, to yes. come in and 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 acquire new skills and abilities and fine-tune this ability to expand their conscious awareness. For some reason, it works best in groups. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I you agree. Can do it at home using a CD, and all of my smaller books, Journey to the Sacred Garden, Spirit Medicine, and even the new one, Awakening to the Spirit World, which is more of a long form, which I co-authored with Sandra Ingerman. All these books have CDs in them that you can use for your own visionary uh, work at home. But mm. there's something about being in groups that makes the, the process much more powerful. And so I regularly I watch uh, non-tribal Western people come in, and with a very minimum of training, I send them off on these visionary adventures into the inner worlds within themselves, and they return with accounts that would pass muster at any Aboriginal campfire. You know, it's absolutely extraordinary mm. what they bring back. And you've seen this as well. I have, and I wanted to just share for listeners that I have taken all of uh, Hank and Jill's courses at Esalen Institute, um, you know, Vision Seeker 1, 2, and 3, and was in their advanced program. And I highly recommend it. It was a phenomenal experience for me and launched me into a whole new phase of my life and also helped me finally finish my 20-year project, which is my book, Empowered Healer. Um, being with Hank and Jill uh, helped me birth that book. So I highly recommend uh, going to their website, sharedwisdom.com, and, uh, you know, getting their books and particularly uh, sitting in circle with them at one of their courses. Well, thanks for the pitch. <laughs> You're very welcome. So we, so <laughs> I think it's part of what Jill and I came into this life to do together. Mm-hmm. You know, a husband and a wife working together, there's a certain balance, there's a certain harmony that comes into being when a man and a woman work together. And it seems to work very well. People like it. Oh, I love it. I love it because, you know, it's like you have you have two, you know, body, mind, spirits sitting there, and you'll say something, Hank, and then Jill will piggyback. Well, Jill will say, well, you know, and let's add this, and it's like you complement each other so beautifully. And she says things that you weren't saying, and you say things she wasn't, and it's like this dance. You do this dance together. That's it's amazing uh, to be part of. Yep, it is. I enjoy it. I know you do. So we were we were talking before the break about soul loss and soul retrieval, and um, in terms of people who immediately are listening and saying, "Oh my gosh, I think that's me." Um, let me tell you that next week, uh, Jill Kirkendall will be on my show and will be particularly talking about uh, soul retrieval. So I think we should leave that for next week so that people can tune in and, and hear it from um, from the expert herself. Good idea. <laughs> Good. And so I actually wanted to, to, you know, at the time we have, I want to talk about, about your uh, introduction, your, your early shamanic experiences, Hank, with authentic initiation, as well as how you met Hale Makua. I'd love you to tell our listeners how you came to this, and uh, I think it's a fascinating story. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a very mainstream scientist in the sense that I work with the, the paleontological community in East Africa, excavating fossils in the, in the Great Rift Valley in search of answers to the mystery of human origins. I've been doing this since I was a grad student at Berkeley back in the 70s. I've been doing it for a long time. And what happened was that I began to have these spontaneous visionary experiences, and I had no idea what they were. I thought they were just fantasies or, you know, daydreams, because they would often happen in the middle of the day when I was very much awake. Mm. But in the early 80s, I had a real mind blower. 
in which my body was filled with these sensations of force or power, kind of like a power surge, in which mm. I became completely paralyzed, couldn't move muscle. <clears throat> and it was in this state, lying in bed next to my wife, incidentally, you know, and I might add on the heels of a joyous marital encounter, that <laughs> I suddenly found myself precipitated into this visionary realm where I found myself face to face with what indigenous people would call a spirit. Mm. Now, nothing in my training at Berkeley prepared me for this experience. Wow. <clears throat> you know, in those days, I worshipped solely at the altar of science. Well, these experiences continued, and they amped up in the early to middle 80s into an ongoing continuum of visions in which, in a dreamlike state, often at 4 o'clock in the morning, I would find my conscious awareness being re-geographied, if I could put it that way, mm. transferring itself into the mind and body and soul of another man. Wow. It was as though I was another man, but he had his own personality the way I had mine. And I found myself looking out through his eyes at a world I'd never seen before. I could mm. pick up on his emotions, his thoughts, his memories, his feelings. And wow. I was startled by this experience would be an understatement of vast mm. proportions. I went into a kind of psychological crisis. Wow. Well, I began to write this stuff up. And the end result sort of emerged as a trilogy of books called the Spirit Walker Trilogy. The first book was called Spirit Walker. The second book is called Medicine Maker. The third book is called Vision Seeker. And to make matters exceedingly sticky, as you know, this man mm -hmm. lives in a different slice of time. He mm -hmm. lives in the future. So if I've got this right, and I believe I do, I time travel from time to time, and I always connect with the same man in his level of reality, awareness, and experience. <clears throat> I came to understand across time that this man is probably one of my descendants in fact wow. he may in, in fact be one of my descendant selves a future incarnation now why did this begin to happen to me this is part of the mystery which is yep. explored in these books and Holly Makua the Hawaiian elder read the first book in 1996 and came to look me over where I was giving a talk at an institute here in Hawaii mm. this is how we came into relationship Yes. I came to check and see if I was real. <laughs> I love this story because I think I remember you were you were standing in front and then he walks in. He's just this imposing man in the back of the room. And I think it was, if I remember you sharing in our group, that it was sort of an oh shit moment for you in terms of not knowing how he was going to respond. I did, you know. And this guy was a, almost a head taller than me with a great big white ponytail down his back huge bushy beard down his chest like Santa Claus, and a big carved walking stick in front of him with a flashy aloha shirt. I mean, he really looked the part of a kahuna. Now, kahuna, for those of your listeners who don't know, the word kahuna implies mastery. And there are different kinds of kahunas. You know, there are kahunas of geomancy, kahunas of stargazing, kahunas of navigation. Makua was a master of spirits, and in fact, he had an ongoing hookup with a cluster of ancestors he referred to as his ancestors, his ancestral mm. spirits, many mm. generations of them who followed him around, advising him on a regular basis throughout his days. So Makua and I, he came to hear my talk, and after listening to my talk, he came over to me, and he said, you know, a friend of mine sent me your book, and I read it. And then I read it again just to make sure. 
that I was getting it right. You know, this is <gasps> Spirit Walker. Oh. And this book, by the way, was published in 13 languages. It made an, a huge impression when it came out in 1995. Mm-hmm. But this was the beginning of this extraordinary friendship. Now, Makua and I and Jill, we became like, kind of like the three amigos. And whenever Jill and I would go to Hawaii, we would spend time with him, sometimes for a few hours, sometimes for a few mm-hmm. days. We would stay live with him. And mm-hmm. over this period of time, <clears throat> he began to convey this extraordinary body of knowledge, which is not found, I might add, in any books on Huna. Mm. This is not Huna. This is the deep wisdom of the Kohuna mystics. Yes. And so when he passed in 2004, this was a tremendous shock to everybody who knew him because none of us could believe he was gone. And a Mm. year after, I was still in deep mourning. I'm working at the computer one day, and suddenly it's like a credit card swipe goes through my mind. And he's in my mind. And we begin to have this conversation like we had in life. So I'm sitting at the laptop. So I started to write this stuff up. And over the next five years, the book, The Bowl of Light, came into being. It was released last spring from Sounds True. And believe it or not, it's been sold to the Japanese already, to a Japanese publisher. So it's going to follow Spirit Walker, which was also published in Japan many years ago, and Mm -hmm. Awakening to the Spirit World, which will be out in Japan in February. So we Mm -hmm. seem to be doing something right. And for those of your listeners who are interested in philosophy, this is a a book kind of like, it's kind of like one of Plato's dialogues in which he's talking to Socrates. I'm talking with Makua. Yes. So you've got the anthropologist on the one hand, and you've got the mystic visionary, the Hawaiian elder on the other. And so our conversations about all sorts of things are recorded in this book, and people seem to like it. I love it. Um, I've read it once, and I was telling uh, you before the show, I need to read it again very slowly. Uh, it's <laughs> very slowly. I'm serious. There, it, it, there's so much that's in that book that I, I want to really ponder, and I want to write in my journal, and I've already been underlining and circling things. And So for the listeners, this is The Bowl of Light, and it's a, an amazing book in terms of this wisdom that I feel just so honored that he shared this, uh, Hank, with you. And the part of the book where he's going to give you his papers, I thought was so touching. Uh, And so, I mean, you were so just blown away, just like couldn't believe it that he was entrusting uh, this message to you. Well, you know, those papers did finally come to me. Mm. That's a story in itself. Uh, It took seven years. Wow. With all sorts of other nefarious characters involved. We won't talk about that because we have to go into the negative polarity to talk about that. No, let's not talk about that. But since last spring, I've been slowly absorbing this knowledge. There are somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 yellow pads and 50 pages each. You can imagine how much all of his handwritten notes. Mm. And a lot of it is channeled teachings, Mm. which he wanted me to um, essentially incorporate into my memory banks so that when I make contact with this man who lives in the future, I know it sounds incredibly flaky, but in fact, this is what happens. He wants this information to be transferable across time mm-hmm. to this individual who lives somewhere on the coast of West, uh, Western North America in a slice of time roughly 5,000 years from now. Yes. So well, that's my job. I get it. My I get job it. Is to get it down and get it right. Well, and you are. You, I think you were the perfect person for him to entrust this to. And 
Um, not, you know, and I, I look forward to whatever else that you're going to be doing with this. I would, I was even hoping that you would do some kind of course, um, sort of like you do at Esalen, but something just with the bowl of light would interest me. Well, that's not an impossibility. I think it would be best in the oral tradition, but of course, if we did this, Sue, that means that nobody could take notes. Yeah, no, totally. But I just uh, would love to absorb. I would love to absorb it in that way. So uh, it's time for another break, and we'll be back. Uh, fascinating discussion with Dr. Hank Wesselman. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Is there a difference between dream work and intuition? The relationship is closer than you think. These are mutually supportive concepts. When you dream, your intuition serves as a foreshadow of the future and can bring rapid results through dream analysis. Tune in to The Partnership of Intuition and Dreams with your host, Dr. Marcia Emery. Explore this unique relationship and learn to understand how the symbolism of dreams can be clarified. Listen every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Yes, you can live a more positive and spiritual life. One step you can take each week is to tune in to What We're Thinking About with host Ken Ludwig. This program is designed to provide thought-provoking discussion after each week's show. Ken and his guests will challenge you to look at things in an entirely different way, to step outside the comfort zone and see the universe as it truly is. What we're thinking about can be heard live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Dr. Susan Allison is available online, by phone, and in person to help you heal whatever is no longer working in your life. You can go to her website at www.empoweredhealer.com or call her toll-free at 866-268-2121. Dr. Allison also has CDs and DVDs available on her website to empower you even more. You can listen to her voice guide you through meditations, visualizations, and exercises from her book, Empowered Healer. Her powerful book is available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Balboa Press, and from local bookstores. Begin today to gain the confidence, power, and ability to heal yourself. Visit EmpoweredHealer.com or call 866-268-2121. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. We are held in the hands of the goddess. We are held, we are held, we are You are tuned in to the Empowered Healer Show with Dr. Susan Allison. If you wish to speak to Dr. Allison or her guests this week, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or you can send an email to the Empowered Healer at Comcast.net. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. And those of you just tuning in, we are having a fascinating discussion with Dr. Hank Wesselman, especially now about his book, The Bowl of Light, and his relationship with Hale Makua, 
uh, this amazingly wise uh, kahuna, Hawaiian kahuna, um, and Hank was, was talking about being entrusted uh, with his message, with Makua's message. And Hank, I had a couple of specific questions since we have time. I'm really glad. One is about what Makua told you regarding the age in which we live and, you know, to you know, 2012 and 2013. Can you share with listeners about what he said about uh, our age now and what's to come? Well, you know, it's kind of like, uh, as George Carlin says, we're circling the drain. Mm. And you notice that we're going around faster and faster and faster and faster and faster as we circle the drain. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, what's happening is we're coming to the end of one cycle of ages and the beginning of a next. We're coming to that critical point. And, you know, Makoa was very co- concerned about this because he saw this as being part of a plan that was set into, re- into motion by the ancestors millennia ago in the mythic time, uh, a plan in which we would come to the end of this cycle and the beginning of the next, and we would step out of one age, which is about separation and competition and warfare and soldiering and and pillage and plunder and so forth and so on, mm-hmm. and step up into the next age, which could literally be a golden age. The time of separation is over. The time mm. of connection is beginning. And so mm. the decisions that we make in the next year or so are very, very important because what they're going to do is they're going to create a foundation for the next cycle. And what we t- decide to build on that foundation will be determined by us because of the law of free will. That mm-hmm. the first distortion which came into being uh, in response to the great mystic source expressing itself outward into the void. The law of free will, the law of love, and the law of light. This is something we discussed in Makua and I on the side of a sacred mountain here in, in Hawaii. Mm. Um, so I think about this a lot, and I think about the plan, because the plan lies ever ahead of every one of us. In other words, there is no one culture or group which has exclusive property rights to the ancestral grand plan. It's out there for all of us. Mm-hmm. And it exists in the form of a kind of spiritual hierarchy. And you really can't step into the spiritual hierarchy until you were ready. We were talking about that in the break. Mm-hmm. It's always a readiness issue. But when you step up and into the spiritual hierarchy which exists here on this life world, the first goal of the plan is going to be to involve ourselves in those activities and teachings which will help to expand the consciousness of humankind wow. and help to expand our awareness of spirituality. I personally feel, with all due apologies to those who still believe fervently in our monotheistic religious traditions, that the time of organized religion as it's existed in the past is really coming to a close. You know, those archetypes and those stories are more in the realm of theology now. They're more of interest to scholars and theologians. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They don't have a great deal of meaning for people in our lives today. We really need to create a new kind of spirituality, a new kind of religion. And this is what's coming into being, I think, through the transformational community, uh, which I discussed Mm -hmm. in an essay in that book, Awakening to the Spirit World. Mm. But the second stage of the plan involves all of the elders, and we're talking about the spiritual elders now, all of the elders coming together to make contact with each other, 
to bring all of their community members and family members and students and aspirants and initiates, to bring them all into connection with each other. Because mm. This is going to be the time of connection. Mm, I love it. This is really what we're looking at for the next cycle. But, of course, it's always a readiness issue. Are we going to do this or are we going to settle for another 25,000 years of applied barbarism? That's, that's a good question. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I think that you're absolutely right. And and it is a choice and it also scares me at times when I you know I don't even I can't even watch the news. Uh, it's so negative and gets into that negative polarity and um I need to to stay in on the you know the highest and I had a vision recently of being on a white horse and it was uh, you know very detailed I won't share it but but the person I was working with the healer said stay on your white horse and I you know, I knew exactly what she meant you know staying in this positive polarity and and doing what it is that we're meant to do on our mission here on the planet yeah yeah it sounds like a good plan to me to stay on the white horse you know, that's what Collins, I was told. I brought him up, you know, he used mm-hmm. to say things like, when we agree to embody, to incarnate on this planet, it's like you're given a, a ticket to the freak show in the circus. Oh. And when we embody in the United States of America, we have a front row seat. And mm-hmm. if you look at what's been going on in the government for the last year, and what's been going on with the corporate world, I mean, there's just no question that yes. it's totally dysfunctional at this point. And we really need a new program, a new cultural mythos. Yes. Which we redefine who we are, what we're doing here, what this is all about, where we're going, and so forth. We need a new cultural mythos, and we are the people who are going to create that. Well, I think, you know, listeners can start by reading the Bowl of Light because then they can read what the ancestral grand plan is, according to Makua, which is, you know, political, spiritual, personal. I mean, it's a beautiful plan, um, and people can start there. They can also... Hank, go to uh, your website with Jill, which is sharedwisdom.com. They can get your books. They can uh, attend your courses. And, um, you know, those of you interested in soul retrieval, uh, you can also uh, contact uh, Jill Kirkendall herself, who's Hank's wife, who does um, the soul retrieval. That's right. There's a contact through the Shared Wisdom website. So you can make contact with us if you'd like to. Wonderful. I'd like to thank you very much for having me on your show. It's just delightful. It's been an honor. Uh, it's been an honor to have you, um, Hank, um, sharing your wisdom with everyone. And um, I hope to uh, do a course with you again. Um, I know I've done them all, but I can always take them again and get something uh, new and different. And where, where in fact, do you live, sir? I live in Santa Cruz, so it's it it's like a hop, skip, and a jump from Esalen Institute in Big Sur. Yeah. Well, you know, Jill and I are going to do the Vision Seeker Level 2, which is a course in spirit medicine at Bright, at uh, Westerbeck Ranch in September. Oh, you are? Yeah. It's going oh, to be that's the first week in September, of. that weekend from Labor Day weekend through Friday at lunch of the following the week that follows. Well, wonderful. I need to uh, think about that, and I'd like to maybe just talk to you and, and think about what to take. But for okay. now, we're about to close, so I'd love to have you back again just to talk about the Bowl of Light. And um, thank you so much again uh, for being on the show, Hank. Okay, Sue. Bright blessings to you. Same same to you and Jill. Okay. Aloha and out. Thank you. Um, so goodbye for now, everyone who's tuned in. Uh, and please tune in next week for another amazing guest who is Jill Kirkendall, who is Hank's wife. 
And I, I know most of you listening today were fascinated by Soul Retrieval, and she will be uh, talking about um, her co-authoring Spirit Medicine and talking about uh, Soul Retrieval. She's a shamanic practitioner uh, living in uh, Hawaii. So, and remember, you are the empowered healer of your own life. And as Hala Makua would say, you are your own greatest teacher. Until next week, I'm Dr. Susan Allison, and this is the Empowered Healer Show. Thank you again for listening to the Empowered Healer Show. Please join your host, Dr. Susan Allison, again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Until then, have an empowering and fulfilling week. We are happy.